Welcome to the Codifier Podcast. Codifier is a podcast about emerging trends and technologies with the aim to create bite-sized, entertaining content for everyone from software developers to sales gurus to even your parents so that they can stay clued in and techno-savvy in today's ever-changing world. Hello, hello, and welcome to Codifier Episode 8. This one is about self-driving cars or autonomous vehicles. I think it's been established by more sci-fi writers than can possibly be credited in one podcast that someday robots will rule us all. You may have recently seen in the news that an Uber self-driving car killed a pedestrian in a headline-grabbing frenzy that reawakened the humanity in all of us. Questions like, what if? Now insert your dystopian human-based car fiasco here, where AI, artificial intelligence, is deciding the fate of human lives with alarming regularity. During my recent discussions, I found some common themes where these infinite ethical conundrums often came back to questions of responsibility. So who do you blame if AI kills one of our humans? And... Assuming AI is forced into making a decision, which means one life over another, how does it make that choice? Heavy stuff. Fasten your seatbelts. Oh, wait, we don't need seatbelts anymore because it's a self-driving car. Or do we? Here we go. So if you didn't already know, self-driving cars are a bit like the Terminator. They're utilizing a programmatic paradigm called AI, uh, or artificial intelligence, and its cohort, machine learning. Hollywood loves to represent AI to us as humanoid robots, like the Lost in Space robot, simply named Robot, the aforementioned Terminator, which is probably the closest example of our future, and the more arty Ex Machina, which is a great film, and I'll re-reference when we get nearer to the end. The reality is that our first mainstream taste of real AI are these wacky and occasionally murderous self-driving cars. They've now gained enough media exposure that the pub quiz gurus and beer analyticals of the world have already been forced to consider the ethics of their decision-making. Now let me add myself to that group by saying I am not an AI or machine learning expert. I do, however, have friends and colleagues who are and have been bouncing ideas off them over the past few weeks. I do have a solid history in real-time systems, which allows me to understand the coding reactions and external input such that the system, computer, machine, whatever the case may be, can interact with what is considered to be the present. These cars have a lot of that kind of code going on. Real-time systems take pride in being deterministic, which means they always react, react in the same way to the same stimulus in the same amount of time. So they're wonderfully predictable and not at all learning. And that's where things get a little bit different. Now, allow me to oversimplify such that we can all try to understand it. Imagine AI as having a decision matrix composed of various decision models trained independently to make predictions and therefore make decisions. Okay, I'll admit that that wasn't so simple, but let's consider the decision matrix. The machine learning aspect is that this matrix, while starting with a repeatable outcome, is not necessarily creating a fixed outcome. It runs in combination with something that is called, under certain circumstances, adaptive boosting, which serves to boost 
the models or decisions that are correct and devalue the ones that are not. It can even combine groups of lower-ranked decisions to win over more highly-ranked ones. It's some pretty clever stuff, and it's effectively learning. And if you, if you think about the way we learn, it's exactly the same thing that us super-advanced humans do and that we learn from our mistakes to make better decisions going forward. Now, where it's not quite as good as us humans is that it's probably currently sufficient to say that at the present time, if you took a car and you trained it to drive in New York City, it probably wouldn't stand a chance if it was dropped into Mumbai, where a human driver would be better able to adapt. Our current combination of AI and machine learning has proven very capable to drive on streets which are predictable, largely in America. So who's at the heart of this self-driving car revolution? And in saying revolution, I don't actually use that term lightly. The leaders of the world aren't your Fords, your Hondas, your Chevys, but instead tech giants like Google, who launched their own dedicated brand, Waymo, after having hired some of the DARPA engineers who were responsible for kicking this all off way back in 2004. Even more disruptive are the modern taxi firms like Uber and Lyft, using the combined help of car companies like Volvo. And finally, of course, is Tesla, an obvious choice with Elon Musk not letting any tech get the best of him. In fact, Tesla recently added autopilot mode to some of their cars. And it'll be no surprise that with the addition of autopilot, Tesla also has a recent death with a customer in the car being a bit too cocky with the new autopilot mode. It's a bit like when cruise control was first added to cars and people didn't really understand that you shouldn't let go of the wheel. Autopilot is self-driving, but Tesla were quite clear when they released it that this is a bit of a beta and the driver really should be staying alert. While it does do some impressive driving in predictable weather and environments like the modern American highway, it isn't so smart that it doesn't get confused. And there are plenty of videos on YouTube of people trying to mess with it. It, didn't, it did seem inevitable that somebody would quickly abuse the feature to their own fatal chagrin. Uh, if you'd like to see a, a few video, you can go to the blog, uh, codeofire.com slash culture slash self-driving cars uh, to view one of those. So let's talk a little bit more now about how self-driving cars get the information that they use to make decisions. Well, we pretty much completely rely on our eyes and to some extent our ears for information. Self-driving cars have a complex array of sensors, cameras, and something called LIDAR, which roughly stands for, or exactly stands for, light detection, light detection and ranging. There, I said it. That's kind of a combination of radar and lasers. This is at the heart of information gathering. It creates a laser-generated 3D map of the car's surroundings, and that's right, it does it at the speed of light, which is cool. In fact, advances in LiDAR are moving towards not just mapping what is visible, but also hidden objects and objects around corners. These autonomous vehicles will be, in the foreseeable future, extremely good at driving. Dare I say better than us. Let's look at a fun example that's in the works at the moment, and that is the self-driving Formula E in concept form. There's a company called RoboWace who kicked this off and is at the heart of starting the first motorsport series for driverless cars. I don't know about you, but it sounds awesome. The concept of Formula E, which, by the way, the E stands for electric cars only, please, is that the race isn't down to the best driver, but the best coders who can design the best AI to drive the car. It's in the very early stages, 
I think, watch this space for it. Uh, so far, very few of the major companies working on these cars have picked up the challenge to be a part of it, but I think it sounds fascinating. And one of the things I picked up reading about it in Wired magazine was that sensor data from a car that was driving itself around a track a few times could then be given to other cars in advance of them having driven that same track so that they could learn how to drive it. Essentially, like a simulator you can inject straight into your brain so you can learn how to do it, like the Matrix. Hey, I hope you're enjoying Codifier Episode 8, Self-Driving Cars. Crazy world that this is the level of AI that is first interacting with us. It's interesting when you read a lot of sci-fi how AI presents itself. And we, we tend to, in our arrogant, humanistic way, always present AI as being an artificial version of humans as opposed to a car, which is a much easier way of implementing artificial intelligence in a way that interacts with, us, interacts with us on a daily basis and does it in a way that we see it. I realize there are other AIs out there. Google's language translation, for example, uses AI in order to very quickly and accurately translate even into languages that it doesn't know. So that's another example, and I'll probably get into that in another podcast specifically about AI. So if you've got any subjects, speaking of subject matter, that you'd like to see covered on Codifier, please email in codifier gmail.com, send a message at Facebook, facebook.com slash codifier, or why not fire us a, a message over Twitter. All right, thanks. I'm Steve Jaguer. This is Codifier episode eight. And now back to the show. So self-driving cars are one of the modern examples of AI and machine learning. And we can attempt to wrap our heads around this because we drive cars. And for the most part, we think we're pretty great at it. Now, frankly, and potentially controversially, I will probably have more faith in AI than I do humans to react in what appears to be a pragmatic way, regardless of the lives at stake, even in this immature phase of self-driving cars in the not-too-distant future. Uh, last year in the USA, 1.5 million automobile-related deaths. So, great work driving humans. And that leads us to the ethical questions we, we touched on at the beginning. What if a self-driving car kills a human? Let's leave the decision-making aspect of that for the moment and come back to it later. I had an interesting conversation about some of this tech recently where the word culpability was used. And I found it an interesting choice because it implies wrongdoing. Blame doesn't change the outcome of our ethical dilemma, but it seems that many people aren't satisfied until we can be sure that errors can be attributed and perhaps optionally recompense can be confirmed. In terms of the cars, they will still be the responsibility of the company and so are the employees that work on making them. Think of it like if a plane crashes due to anything from mechanical failure, maintenance, or perhaps its autopilot got confused. Corporations are taking this seriously as mistakes will be expensive in so many ways. And that's actually a pretty good analogy, because if you think you've never been inside a self-driving vehicle, well, you might want to think again. I mean, if you've taken a flight, you've been in one. I mean, the pilots are present, because yet they could fly the plane the entire distance, much like you can drive a car. Technically, technically speaking, like, te like Tesla's autopilot feature, 
the plane for the large part of your journey flies itself. Let's be clear, though. The path is generally a lot clearer at 30,000 feet. And even then, autopilots on the latest generation of fly-by-wire jets with quadruple redundancies have still been known to go a little haywire, requiring th quick thinking from the actual pilots. Additionally, airplane, airplane pilots have considerably more training and awareness than a guy who was recently killed in a Tesla crash because he was watching a Harry Potter movie whilst in autopilot. Mistakes are inevitable, and that absolutely needs to be addressed, and I believe answers are possible. The blame game must be played if deaths are involved. Because we're human, we love a good bit of blame, don't we? The problem with blame-loving humans and AI is that there won't be a driver, and nor will there be really one single person or programmer to point the finger at. It won't be a single line of code or an algorithm clearly to blame. I mean, vaguely, potentially. Interestingly, humans do love to attribute culpability to other humans. And that seems to be where we're finally satisfied. We don't like the discussion about cars where blame is theoretically extended to the coder of the company or even the CEO. That feels a little bit too indirect. I mean, applying that rationale to humanity, if you want to get a little bit existential, if a human killed somebody under that theory, you could theoretically blame the high school bully that contributed to their psychological instability, or perhaps the parents who provided the genetic and environmental conditioning, or if you want to go down an ancient creationist route, you can blame Odin. Other gods are available, of course, for designing us the flawed product in the first place. And I'm already realizing what I've said and designing a special hate mail email address just to handle reactions to that. It's hatemail at uber.com. We humans have the self-awareness to take responsibility upon ourselves, which is the big difference and is very convenient for blame and emotional care more than financial recompense. What people don't seem to like is the potential for a decision on life being made programmatically, regardless of whether the decision was better or worse. There is a trend for humans to see ourselves as special and that our decisions are somehow not just programmatic or the human equivalent subconscious. So let's cast ourselves 50 years in the future potentially in our lifetime? Imagine the potential that a car's AI will be conversant enough to potentially post-process its choices and machine learn immediately from them to the extent that it admits it is at fault without an investigation for the death of a human. Will that make us feel better when it says it's sorry? Let's go further and ask ourselves how long after AI itself considers itself to be I, meaning it has intelligence and therefore self-aware. How long before we acknowledge it to be so? I think it's a good time to go see that movie Ex Machina. Okay, they thought that was a big ethical dilemma. Uh, let's take it one step further. Ignoring arguments that once these cars are in a mature state, they are highly unlikely to be in a situation to have to make a decision about endangering one life versus another. For example, sacrifice the passenger to save the school kids, we humans can't help but project this onto these cars and ponder. How could these decisions possibly be made by an AI and how could they be programmed with some form of base ethics? Well, it just so happens people are working on this and this probably won't come as a surprise. Jean-Francois 
Bonifant at the Toulouse School of Economics in France said it correctly that there is no right or wrong answers to these questions. Public opinion will vary and most likely disagree. All that said, his team did work with experimental ethics, posing ethical dilemmas to a large number of people to see how they respond. One way to approach this kind of problem is to act in a way that minimizes the damage, right? Killing one person is better than killing two. However, if people think self-driving cars are programmed to sacrifice their owners, they won't buy them. And now we're in a bit of a catch-22, aren't we? If you recall the statistics about road deaths earlier, 1.5 million a year-ish, then actually people will be making a decision which will mean they are more likely to die because ordinary cars are simply way more hazardous. The gist of Jean-Francois's results was that people had a rather utilitarian response and were often happy to sacrifice passengers to save the group. Until the questions were rephrased to indicate that they themselves were the passenger. And therein lies the paradox. People are in favor of cars that sacrifice the occupant to save other lives as long as they don't have to drive one themselves. And, considering the complexity of machine learning and AI, it's worth asking whether the car's consistently changing decision matrix could, in a long timeline of machine learning, change its behavior with regard to these ethical decisions. Can we assume that the ethical aspect of the car's programming be retained deterministically and not be altered by its own learning? So then, why bother? Backing up a little bit, Technology is moving in this direction because of the advantages of the bigger picture. Starting with the environmental benefits alone, cars in an, an autonomous world would not need to be purchased anymore. We have a tendency to purchase the car for the worst case scenario with long drives and lots of passengers being the impetus. The top five selling cars in the USA were either pickups or SUVs. And then, we drive those cars alone over short distances. In a utopian self-driving paradise, you could order a car in a journey-specific way. Small cars for quick journeys, large for large, without needing to own or maintain it. The right car for the journey would be environmentally sound and would be cheaper. And for services like pizza delivery, you don't have to tip the driver. Boom. All that aside, the biggest cause of automobile deaths is humans, not cars. If we applied good sense to driving, well, we would simply ban humans from cars completely. It's a grandfathered-in technology that would be considered absurdly risky if pitched in something like Dragon's Den or Shark Tank today. Kind of like cigarettes. If you imagine pitching a big box that you get inside which travels up to 100 miles an hour under your full control whilst only a few feet away from hundreds of other boxes, it would be crazy. Oh no, it's okay because there are painted lines to keep you apart. Oh yeah, did I mention it's powered by a controlled explosion of fossil fuels? Hey, show me the money. 15,000 people last year, approximately, give or take a few, were killed by guns. Half a million by smoking, and more than a million by cars. I didn't know that before writing this. Food for thought. We should do our best not to turn the self-driving car into a witch hunt when investigating this technology, which will very likely change the face of the mortality statistics significantly. So I'll wrap up by taking a final look even further forward to hive-minded vehicles. In the not-so-distant future, I hope, 
of the self-driving car world, we wouldn't have any human drivers at all, and the cars would communicate with each other to establish the best route, adjust speeds, suggest travel times, etc. To be fair, my puny, self-aware brain is probably not even coming close to guessing the advantages of a hive-minded vehicle scenario. What it would mean is that unless some Uber hacker, see what I did there? Uber hacker, self-driving Uber, anyway, compromised the car network, the theory is that we would be considerably safer yet again. Well, yours truly looks forward to seeing that kind of perfection in action, but unfortunately, it may not be in my lifetime. Not because I'll grow old, but because there's still so many humans driving around that statistically, one of them's going to run me over. Well, that's it for Codifier Episode 8. Once again, so much to talk about with self-driving cars. It's a wild and wonderful world, and I look forward to seeing what happens in the next five years. I've been Steve Jaguar. Thanks for listening.